0: Fred Tuttle had his uh, shoulder replaced today, and it went well, uh, and he's recuperating. We'll remember him. We sang just a moment ago, Oh, the unsearchable riches of Christ, who would not gladly endure, trials, afflictions, and crosses on earth, riches like these to secure. I hope the Lord will take this message and make that real to us. I've entitled this message, The Faith of Moses. Now, there are four verbs in this passage of Scripture used to describe his faith. We read of a refusal. By faith, Moses, when he was born, or by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There was a refusal that took place. And then we read of a choice, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And then we read of an esteem, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And then we read of a respect. For he had respect. Under the recompense. Of the reward. The faith of Moses. Now I am sure. That this text. That I. Have just gone over has been used by preachers. Fundamentalists. Reformed. In this manner, by faith, Moses turned his back on Egyptian worldliness. When he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was refusing any connection with the world and worldliness. Second, he chose the hard and difficult life over a life that involved the pleasures of sin. While there's pleasure in sin, it's to be rejected. We need to make the right choices in our lives or there will be serious consequences. Third, he esteemed the reproach of Christ, the way the world would reproach him for rejecting its ways, greater, more valuable riches than all the treasures of Egypt, which he could have had, had he so chosen. Fourth, he had respect to the recompense of the reward. He knew it would be better to suffer here on earth and be in heaven than it would to enjoy the pleasures of sin here on earth and not be in heaven, but be in heaven. Hell. Now. I got a question for you. Did I just preach the gospel? There's an element of truth in everything I just said. There's an element of truth. But was the gospel preached? You know it wasn't. From that Outline, as it were there's some truth in all of those statements taken like that you know rat poison is 99% good just got 1% arsenic everything else is good stuff wouldn't hurt you you going to take it what about 99% grace. What good would that do you? Something that's 99% true is a lie. If that is the way I would approach that passage of scripture, I have missed it all together. This is what the writer to the Hebrews, meant by these words, this is the faith of Moses. Now, somebody says, well, you take that passage of Scripture, it means what it says. No, it says what it means. There's all the difference in the world. It doesn't mean what it says. The Scripture always says what it means. So let's consider these four aspects of Moses' faith. You'll notice in these uh, verses with regard to Moses, there's four by faiths. By faith, Moses, in verse 23, and then verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years. Um, and then in verse uh, 27, by faith, he forsook Egypt. And 28, through faith, he kept the Passover. So all four of those are given to give us different aspects of faith. And in this passage of scripture we're going to consider moses faith what is meant by his refusal he refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter what's meant by his choice he chose to suffer affliction with the people of god rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season what about his estimation he esteemed the reproach of christ greater riches than the treasures in egypt and his respect, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years. Now, I've heard it said he came to the age of accountability. <laughs> the Bible doesn't teach anything like that. Uh, the age of accountability. And they usually have it at 12. That's when you're responsible for your actions. But... The word "come to years" actually uh, is literally when he became great, and he indeed did become great in the world's eyes. Uh, Acts chapter seven, verse twenty, said he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and they had um, they had the most wisdom, worldly wisdom, in the world at that time, and he was learned in all the wisdom. Of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds, and he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You remember last week how she saw him in the river, and he was raised up in the home of Pharaoh. She could have been his only daughter. Maybe he was next in line for the throne. That could have been, but he was a mighty man as far as men goes. Mighty in words and mighty in deeds. A highly educated. Very successful, very gifted man. So I think when it's talking about him coming to years, it's not talking about when he became an adult. It's talking about when he was up to 40 years old and had become a very powerful man, if there is such a thing, which there's not. Power belongeth to the Lord. And I hate it when people talk about powerful men and powerful women. Nobody has any power. Me, you, or anybody else. Power belongeth unto the Lord. But he had some kind of reputation in Egypt. Well, what did Pharaoh do? He made the children of Israel slaves. He put them to work. They built the pyramids. He kept them in bondage. Bitter bondage. What does that sound like? Salvation by works. That's what Pharaoh represents. Salvation by works, human religion. Now, somewhere along the line, Moses finds out that those people who were enslaved by Pharaoh were his people. And he refused, he rejected all association with that. He left it. He no longer was in the Egyptian camp. He identified with these people and he sought their good. When you come to Christ, there's a place you leave. There's something you refuse. You refuse. You intelligently, willfully, with all your heart and all your understanding, you refuse salvation by works in any way. You refuse it. You won't have anything to do with that. Is that where your faith is at? He refused any association with Pharaoh. He, you could call this repentance from dead works. He refused all association with Pharaoh. Now, let's look at faith's choice. Verse 25. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, here's what he chose. He chose. This is what he wanted. Affliction with the people of God. Rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. When he made that refusal, he made this choice. Now, think about what it said. He chose affliction with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, there is pleasure in sin. There's no doubt about that. There's a kind of high in sin. There's a kind of pleasure in the commission of any and every sin. That's why it's a temptation. But this is, Not saying that Moses made a choice to turn away from the pleasures of sin and worldliness and live the virtuous life. Now that's a good thing to do. But that's not the teaching of this passage of scripture. It's not like he, well here's the pleasures of sin, here's affliction with the people of God. I think I'll choose affliction with the people of God over the pleasures of sin. Now the key word in this portion is the people of God. He chose affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, if he would have stayed there as Pharaoh's son, Pharaoh's daughter, there was a lot of pleasure involved in that. There was a lot of of reward, humanly speaking, in that. There's all kinds of things that could have happened, but he had some understanding of this thing of the people of God. The Egyptians were not the people of God. Who are the people of God? Well, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Those are the people of God. For whom he did foreknow. Those are the people of God. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the end of the people of God. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them, the people of God, he also called. And whom he called, the people of God, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for the people of God, who can be against them? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for the people of God. How shall he not also with him freely give the people of God all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of the people of God? Bring it on. God justified them. Who's going to condemn the people of God? Christ died for them. Yea, rather, is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God making intercession for the people of God? Moses had some insight into the people of God. That's why he made this choice. Who are the people of God? Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified, the people of God. <laughs> God said, I'll be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. The pleasures of sin that would be there and remaining the son of Pharaoh's daughter, all of the pleasures of sin at his disposal, he chose identification with the people of God rather than the pleasures of sin involved in staying in Egypt. Now, what was behind this choice? I mean, there's a reason when you, when you make a choice like that, there's a reason behind it. What was behind him making this choice? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused association with that. He chose affliction, hardship with the people of God rather to to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now what was behind all this? Well here it is, verse twenty six, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. If you are given the choice between having 10 million dollars and 10 dollars, what are you going to take? <laughs> That's a no-brainer, isn't it? Everybody in this room take 10 million dollars. I'd like to take 10 million dollars. That's an easy choice let me give you another easy choice i know everybody in that knew what money was and if they were in the right mind everybody without exception would make the choice i'll take the 10 million dollars or the 10 dollar bill if it's going to be given to you i know what i'm going to take well let me ask you this if you're given the choice between being saved by the righteousness of jesus christ and your own righteousness which one will you choose Do you know that most people would choose being saved by their own righteousness? Everybody that's not saved makes that choice. That seems to be a a no-brainer to us, doesn't it? Why is that? The only people who choose to be saved by the righteousness of Christ are the people who have absolutely no righteousness of their own. It's a no-brainer to them. It's not really a choice. Just like it's not really a choice to take $10 million over $10. This is not a choice. This is the only thing there is. To be saved by the righteousness and merits of Christ rather than my own righteousness because I know that I do not have any. Now what is meant when he says in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for Stephen, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now, what is meant by the reproach of Christ? Now, Moses looked at the reproach of Christ and he knew who it was. And he said, I would rather suffer affliction than to have the reproach of Christ rather than to have all the pleasures of staying in Egypt. What is the reproach of Christ? Now turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and we see. Verse 9. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Every time you see the word doctrines in the plural, it's always false doctrine. And it's always varied. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats. Things you can eat, things you can't eat, do's and don'ts, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Those people who are occupied in meats, it hadn't profited them at all. Now he says in verse 10, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. The altar we have, is Christ Jesus? They have the altar of the tabernacle, but they have no right to eat of this altar. They have the Levitical altar. We have Christ as our altar. We have Christ as our priest. We have Christ as our sacrifice. And they have no right to eat of this altar. We do. Now, what does he say? We have an altar where if they have no right to eat, would serve the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, talking about the day of atonement, are burned without the camp. Now what did they do after that beast was slain? They took him outside the camp, outside of Jerusalem, or outside of the the camp in the wilderness. You know who dwelt outside the camp? Lepers and unclean people. Those are the only people lepers and unclean people and he was brought outside of the camp because of what he did on calvary's tree made, being made sin wherefore verse 12 jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate just like the old testament beast he had to be crucified outside of jerusalem Let us therefore, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Now, what reproach he had when he was made sin. What reproach he had when he was crucified outside the camp and died outside the camp. And what reproach do religious people feel toward him? What reproaches do worldly people feel toward him? They consider him reproachful. You say I'm saved by that work alone? Why, that will lead to sin. That will lead to indifference. That's not going to motivate people to holiness. And the world says, what? You mean to tell me I'm saved by a man being nailed to a cross? Why, that's foolishness. There's a reproach to that. And we bear it willingly. You know what the Lord called it? Taking up your cross daily and following him. We esteem that reproach. That's why even in the Beatitudes, blessed is he that's persecuted for righteousness sake. Now that's bearing his reproach. We believe that the righteousness of Christ is the only righteousness there is you believe that? His righteousness is the only righteousness there is. All human righteousness is sinful, filthy rags. We believe that. Well, that's going to create reproach from the world. And I think of what the Lord said, blessed are they that uh, are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are they. Bless are you when men revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. There's a we want that reproach. I, you know, I I realize, I realize, I really do realize that if I was called upon to to deny my faith or be burned at the stake, I realize that apart from the grace of God, I'll deny it. I don't want to, but I realize I would. I know something about my own weakness, but the greatest honor any sinner could have would be to die as a martyr for the name of Christ. And believers feel that way. They, feel they, they esteem the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Now look what he says in verse 7. Back to Hebrews chapter 11. For... He had respect to the recompense of the reward. He had respect to the recompense, the payback of the reward. Now, does that mean we think that because of our courageous uh, stand for christ we're going to get a greater reward in heaven because of our refusing uh the um, the um, riches of egypt and choosing uh reproach with the people of god and esteeming the uh reproach of christ greater than pleasures greater than the pleasures of sin we're going to get some kind of heavier crown or bigger mansion or um some kind of higher reward of course not Of course not. That's missing the meaning all together. What is our reward? Or who is our reward? Christ said, I am thy shield. And thy exceeding great reward. I love when we sing that song, the bride eyes, not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze on glory, but at my king of grace. Not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced side. The Lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. Now, faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. That's the recompense of the word. The the word respect is is to look only at one object. To look away and to look only at one object. That's what the word here means. Respect. Now, Faith, what is it? What is it? This is so simple. It's so beautiful. What is faith? Faith is believing who he is. Faith is knowing who he is. Believing what he said. And trusting what he did. That's what faith is. It's knowing who he is. That's why we have respect to the recompense of the reward. He is the reward. And we know who he is. He's the son of God. Do you know that? I'm not asking if you know that you're saved. If you know you're one of the elect. Or if you know you're born again. Do you know he is the son of God? You know who he is. God the son. You believe what he said. You know if you know who he is. You'll believe what he said. And if you believe what he said, you'll trust what he did, and that's the only trust you have. You have respect unto the recompense of the reward. He himself is the reward. Now the word "respect" means to turn your eyes from all other things and fix it on this one thing, knowing who he is, believing what he said, trusting what he did. Now that's all my salvation. I don't have anything else. And I love it that way. It is, it's not complicated. I love it that way. Look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Now there's the same statement that we read in our text. Cast not away your confidence, which hath great Recompense of reward. Now in this same chapter. Look in verse 19. What is this? This confidence is the word boldness. Verse 19. Having therefore brethren. Boldness. Confidence. To enter the holiest. By the blood. Of Jesus. That's my confidence. That's my boldness. To enter into the very presence of God. By the blood of Jesus. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I—no other way. I wouldn't dare come any other way but through the blood. Turn to First John chapter two, or First uh, John chapter four, verse seventeen. Herein. Is our love made perfect that we may have boldness. There's the word again. Confidence. Boldness. In the day of judgment. Now you think about standing before God, being judged, and having boldness. Not being afraid. Having confidence. Where would that come from? It's only one place. Because as He is, so are we in this world right now. Now here's my confidence with regard to the day of judgment. My life is the life of Jesus Christ. My obedience is the obedience of Jesus Christ. My sin payment is the sin payment of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's my boldness. Him only. Nowhere else. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him. Now what about the faith of Moses? We refuse, we reject everything that has to do with Pharaoh because we have something infinitely better. Grace is infinitely better than works. I love what Paul said when he talked about same thing, this is the same thing of, as Moses um, forsaking the riches of Egypt. Paul put it this way I've suffered the loss of all things and do count it, but, anybody know the next word? Dung. He wasn't thinking, look what all I've suffered, you know, to give it up for Christ. No, he said, well, I've given up dung. <laughs> That's it. I have suffered the loss of all things, and counted it done, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faithfulness of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Oh, he—he <laughs> he knew what he's doing, didn't he? You know, this choice was easy. The people of God have Christ. He chose to identify with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season and remain there in Egypt. Uh, the people of God have God for them. They have God as their father. They have all things. Christ is all. Ain't no choice, is there? Not if you see him. It's not like you... If you see who he is, it's not a choice. It's a choice, but it's, it's not a difficult... Well, which one? No. He considered the reproach of Christ. And that's how the world views his accomplishments in a reproachful way. He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. He had respect for the recompense of the reward. What's the reward? The Lord Jesus Christ being like him, well, being in him, being like him. And being with him. What could be better than that? Being in him. Being like him. And being with him. He had respect. Unto the recompense. Of the reward. Now. Like I said. Somebody can take this passage of scripture. And preach a, a pretty. Uh, uh, good message. On how you need to. To. Uh, refuse certain things and choose certain things and esteem certain things and respect certain things or you'll be uh, in a mess. You've got to make the right choices. But this is a simple message with regard to true saving faith. May you and I have this same faith, this same refusal, this same choice, this same esteem, this same respect. And really, if you have one, you have them all. And if you don't have one of them, you don't have any of them. This is the faith of Moses. This is the faith of God's elect. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that we might, by your spirit, by your grace, be just like Moses and refuse any association with Works, Pharaoh, Egypt. We ask that you might give us the grace to choose affliction with thy people rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Lord, we ask that you would give us this high estimation of the reproach of Christ. And Lord, give us this respect looking only to Christ, nowhere else, the recompense of the reward. Bless this message for Christ's sake. In his name we pray. Amen.